Hawaii, you know, and on the on the island of Maui, and we want you to know that we are looking at opportunities to, you're like, I'll go on a short-term mission there, right? Uh, listen, I know we think of it as this luxurious, you know, vacation spot, but if you've seen the news, you've seen the devastation. I mean, just horrible. And so um, you can be watching on our social media platforms this week. We'll be giving some updates and letting you know about uh, who we're going to partner with uh, there in Hawaii and how we can give through our crisis fund and then what organization we'll choose to partner with and to make a donation towards to try to make a difference and serve some people that, uh, you know, we forget. For us or some of us, maybe, that's been vacation, but for some, that's truly their home. And uh, they've lost so much. And so be looking uh, this week on our social media platforms, and, and we'll let you know about ways that we as a church are going to get behind uh, the, the relief efforts there. All right? Well, for those of you that I haven't met yet, or it's just been, it feels like a long, long time. My name's Todd, and uh, I've uh, been uh, most recently serving primarily down at our Port Clinton location, but I got to be here at our Norwalk campus for about five years when we first began. I'm just so excited to see what God continues to do here and uh, thankful for Pastor Charles and his leadership and the team here. Um, and there's so many good things happening. And I want to bring greetings from the Port Clinton campus. Uh, man, there's an awesome group of people that are gathering right now. Uh, wait, Yep, 9 a.m. They're gathering right now, and they're just coming into the building, and they're getting ready to worship and lean into God's Word, and they too are a part of our chapel family. We're one church in multiple locations, and it's just good to come together with another part of the family this week, and I've been looking forward to, to worshiping with you and to getting to share God's Word with you. We've been in a series uh, over the last months, really, walking through the Gospel of John, which is really the the record of the life of Jesus that John, one of, one of Jesus' disciples, one of his close followers and friends, recorded what he wrote down as he witnessed the life of Jesus. And today we come to John chapter 18. And let me remind us that uh, really the last couple chapters have all been kind of one big conversation that Jesus has been having with his disciples in what's known as the upper room. This is just before Jesus would be uh, was arrested and would, would eventually go to the cross. And uh, in these chapters, we see Jesus praying for his disciples and praying for all believers that would put their faith in him. And chapter 18, we step into, and I mean, it's action-packed and it is drama-packed. In chapter 18 alone, we, we find that Jesus is betrayed by Judas, something that Jesus said was going to happen. Uh, we, we see that he's arrested by soldiers and religious leaders. In, it's in chapter 18 that Peter denies that he even knows Jesus three times, which, by the way, is another thing that Jesus said would happen and then came to be. Uh, and then chapter 18 begins the first of six different legal trials and hearings that Jesus would go through because nobody knew quite what to do with Jesus and about Jesus. And that brings us to probably the most infamous trial and hearing before a man named Pontius Pilate. He was the Roman governor of Judea. And so we're going to step into the story in John chapter 18 where Jesus is interacting with Pontius Pilate. And I want us to look for three incredible words, powerful words, 
influential words. Three words that have the potential to shape and change our life. Three words that truly have influenced and shaped culture as we know it. So be looking for those three words. All right, here's the text. It says, Then Pilate entered the praetorium again, and he called Jesus, and he said to him, You are the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you this concerning me? It says, Pilate answered, uh, Pilate, or Jesus said, Are you speaking for yourself? Oh, sorry. Verse 35, Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Says Jesus answered, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would, would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. Pilate said, so you are a king. And Jesus responded, you say I am a king. Actually, I was born and I came into the world to testify to the truth. All who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. What is truth? Pilate asked. Then he went out again to the people and he told them, he's not guilty of any crime. But you have a custom of asking me to release one prisoner each year at Passover. Would you like me to release the king of the Jews, but they shouted back, no, not this man. We want Barabbas. And Barabbas was a revolutionary. Three profound words, not actually uttered by Jesus, but uttered by Pilate. A question. What is truth? That's a big question, isn't it? It's a question that's been echoed through the ages. It's a question that has been wrestled with by philosophers, people of all walks of life and ages. What is truth? And so today, I want us to dive a little bit deeper into this question. And, and we're going to get a little philosophical. I may even get a little nerdy on you for a couple minutes. But I want us to hang together because this is an all-important question for us, especially today in our culture. So I want to answer three questions. Number one, what has happened to truth? <laughs> Secondly, what are we to think about the truth? And thirdly, well, Pilate's question, what is truth? And really, what are we to do or how might, should we respond to truth. All right. So the first question, what has happened to truth? And the answer to that question is really nothing, nothing at all. <laughs> truth is truth. Truth just is, right? I mean, two plus two is still four, right? I mean, uh, you know, um, truth is truth. The truth is um, I can't do nearly as many pull-ups as I used to be able to do. That is the truth, all right? Um, the truth is I've cut my hair the same way for the last 20-some years, and it's probably not going to change. That's the truth, right? Uh, but what has happened to truth? Because maybe, you know, maybe you've heard and maybe you found yourselves mouthing these words yourself, or you've heard somebody say to you, well, that may be true for you, but not true for me. How many of you have heard somebody say that? Yeah? Yeah. So, and, and probably 
some of us, we have said that. Maybe sometimes it's just to get out of an argument and you just don't want to go there with that person or you just know that you're not going to convince them of your way. And so we might even find ourselves saying things like, that may be true for you, but not true for me. Now, that's okay in some circumstances, right? Um, because there are certain things that I might think or certain things that you might think are true that I don't think are true. Like, for instance, some of you here in Norwalk would say Sher Sherry's is better than Starbucks, right? And, you know, like somebody was like, amen, like preach it, Todd, right? And, or, and some of you are like enemies now. Like you're like upset with me because I would even raise this, what I consider a truth. Or here's another one, uh, the truth, Coke is better than Pepsi. Yeah, see, it depends. Hey, it may be true for you, but not true for me, right? You do you, I'll do me, right? Or um, the best movie ever made is called White Squall. Anybody seen it? Jeff Bridges? See, it's like irrelevant to all of you guys. I'm telling you. Look it up. Watch it. Life-changing. To me, it's the best movie of all time, but obviously, like, you've not even heard of it. Um, or how about... The truth, the correct way for the toilet paper to hang is as seen here. That is the truth. If you disagree, fight me. Let's go. No, no, I saw Al shaking his head, and I'm not fighting him. because He's one of our security team members, a lot bigger, a lot stronger than me. Okay, here's the thing. We can, we can kind of like tongue-in-cheek say these things. We can kind of laugh it off. Because deep down inside, we know that what we were just talking about is not really about the truth. It might be kind of what I consider my truth, but what we were really talking about is preferences, not objective truth. And it's important for us to understand there is a difference here. The problem in our world is we've, we've leaned into making personal preference our absolute truth. Like... There might be people that would say, no, Starbucks is better, and it is the truth, and I will die saying this, and everybody else in the world should believe this. But that's really a preference. It's not, it's not an objective truth. Uh, an objective truth is something that uh, is true for all time with all people in every location. There are truths that, that, that have been true <laughs> since Jesus walked the earth. And the question is, what do we then believe about the truth? What has happened to truth? Why, why is it that, you know, it, years ago, it was just kind of like accepted, for instance, that God exists. Not, not necessarily everybody believed in God or followed God's way, but most people would generally say, I believe that God does exist. Or for, for ages, people in general believe that the Bible was God's word to us. Again, whether you read the Bible or followed the Bible, uh, but most people believed that the Bible was true. So what's happened to these truths? Because that's certainly not how it feels in our culture today. That's not how it feels when you're having conversation, right, with probably some of the people that you work with, some of the students that you go to school with. Um, and so, so what has happened? What has happened to truth? And so Again, just a little bit of history here. So about the, in the midst of the 18th century, we came into what was known as the Age of Enlightenment. And really, humanity came to this place where, where we started to say that human reason and science and technology really is God. 
that, that human reason and science and technology is king, and, and uh, why do we need some, some, some relationship with a God when we are so smart and when we have so much technology and we can figure it out? And that kind of led us into what, uh, what is known as modernism, where really humanity becomes the God of their own life. And so our, our, our ideas about truth and God and the Bible um, all started to kind of shift and, and ebb and flow and even erode and decay. And then you step into the end of the 19th century and into the 20th century, and modernism, that philosophy started to crumble because uh, there's all these global t- catastrophes going on. World War I happens, the Great Depression, and nobody was smart enough with our human reasoning to figure out a way to fix that, right? Or World War II or Vietnam and, and all these, these global phenomenons that, well, modernism couldn't fix. Modernism couldn't handle. And that kind of led to then the postmodern movement. And, and postmodernism, here's a simple, simplified definition. Postmodernism, uh, McDowell and Williams says, is a worldview that asserts that external absolute truth, that is a truth that is true for all people in all places and all, at all times, cannot even be known through reason or science. Because truth is either non-existent or it's just unknowable. Okay, enough nerdiness, all right? Bottom line, we have shifted in our culture, in our world. Pilate's question to Jesus has shaped our world as we know it. And we've moved from a society that held on to key understandings and truths to a society that is ever-shifting and tending to our own personal preferences and choosing our own personal truths. That's where we've been. And so now we say, that may be true for you, but not for me. But it can't be that way with everything. There are some things that are objective truths, and the Christian faith is one of those. C.S. Lewis said, Christianity is a statement which, if false, well, then it's of absolutely no importance. But if true, of infinite importance. And he says the one thing that it cannot be is just moderately important. The truth about the Bible, the truth about God, the truth about Jesus, it either is or it isn't. And so we have to wrestle with that question. Our world needs to wrestle with that question. Our culture has to wrestle with that question. And that leads us to our kind of our second thought, and that is, well, then what are we to think about truth? What were some of the things that Jesus said, that Jesus claimed that we need to wrestle with? Whatever we believe about God or the Bible or Jesus, these are our truths that we ought wrestle with. So what are we to think about truth? Let's think about just some of the things that Jesus said Um, just in the Gospel of John. Interestingly, the Gospel of John is all about the truth. In fact, 25 times the word truth is used in the Gospel of John alone. You ever been in one of those conversations where somebody keeps coming back around to something and you're like, okay, are they trying to make a point? Like, are they trying to really get me to grab a hold or understand this one thing? It feels like that's what John was doing as he's penning 
the life of Christ in the Gospel of John. And not just there. John is all about truth, it seems, everywhere. He wrote three other short books, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, little letters to some churches. And in, in those three books, he uses the word truth or true 20 times. John is all about truth. And so let's think together about some of the things that even over the last many, many weeks as we've been journeying through the Gospel of John, let's pick out some of the specific things that that John writes that Jesus said about truth that may give us something that we need to think about. Right right off the get-go, John chapter 1, the very first chapter that we looked at, it, it says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. And then verse, verse 14 says, and the Word, it's speaking about Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, the glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and what? Truth. That Jesus came to this world, took on human flesh. This is, a, this is the truth, whether we choose to believe it or not. And he was full of both grace and truth. He was like the epitome of both grace and truth. You know, maybe you and I on a good day, we can be gracious, right? Gracious with one another, gracious with someone in need, you know. Um, and, and maybe some, there's been some days where you or I, where we've been, you know, had the gall to just Hey, stand for truth and speak the truth, right? But, but rarely do we do both at the same time for an elongated period of time, right? I mean, our grace at some point runs out and we just hammer with truth, or we just hammer with truth and nobody even cares what we have to say because we're so ungracious in our lives. See, both are important, and, and we're talking about truth today and what is the truth But Jesus came from the Father full of both grace and truth, and he's our example. So even if we think we have the corner on truth, we better make sure that we hold the truth with kindness, with care, with grace. The truth is not something to beat somebody up with. The truth truth is something to love someone with toward. And that's what Jesus did time and time again. And that's, I believe, the truth. Or think about John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. Jesus is speaking and he says, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And at first you're like, wow, Jesus, you're kind of controlling, right? So you're saying you're, you're going to really be in my club, in my group, if you just do exactly what I say, if you just are faithful to my teachings. That, that could sound cult-like, right? You know, well, you just you have to dress this way, and you have to do this, and you have to take this many showers, or you have to pray this many times, or you know, whatever it is. And if you're faithful, then you can be one of mine, right? But look at what's so incredibly important for us to understand about Jesus and his perspective on the truth. He says, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You see, the the truth that Jesus brought to this world was not a truth to control us. It was actually a truth to set us free to the life that that every human being is longing for deep inside of their souls. 
And Jesus said, I've come to, to, to be the truth, to show you the truth, to lead you into truth. And it's a truth that is meant to set you free in life. That's truth. And then what, what we sung about just a few moments ago, John chapter 14, verse 6, it's, the, it's on the billboard, as you, right? As you drive from, from Norwalk up into Sandusky, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. A very exclusive claim. We talked about this a few weeks ago, probably. And, uh, and uh, Jesus makes this all exclusive, really an objective truth kind of claim, right? This is not a, a preference, like, oh, you do you, I'll do me. You can believe what you want to believe, I'm going to believe what I want to believe. Because this is what we do even with religion, right? We say, well, you know, I know that's what Jesus said, but, you know, um, you just believe what you believe, and, uh, hey, we're all sincere, and, and, and so we're all going to, you know, just make it to heaven someday. And it, it's true that people are and may be sincere in their beliefs. But how many of you heard the phrase that, you know, you can be really sincere, but you can also be sincerely wrong, right? I've been sincerely wrong before, haven't you? I mean, I'm not too prideful to admit, like, I've blown it. Like, I've thought things. I've perhaps said things that were untrue at times. Nobody up here on this stage is claiming to be the truth. But Jesus made that statement. And, so, and I mean, it wasn't a, Jesus didn't say, I'm a truth, I'm one of many truths. He said, I am the truth. Remember, it was his, the truth that he brought was really to set us free, not to control us. That's why he says, he says, the only way to the Father is through me. Jesus was trying to get us home home to heaven, home to the very presence of God, restored in a relationship with the God that created us and loves us. And Jesus was bold enough to, to say the truth and say, I'm telling you, and this is my objective truth, whether people choose to believe it or not, one day all of us will know this truth. And Jesus said, I am the truth. And the only way to heaven, the only way to the Father is through me, through a relationship with me. You know, we could say, well, that sounds really critical or that sounds really exclusive or that sounds very narrow-minded, unless it's true. If that really is the truth, then that's not, that's not narrow-minded sharing it or, or telling it. It's actually the most loving, caring thing that we could possibly ever do for another person. So what are we going to do with truth? But, you know, truth, it's, it's, it's shifted in our world. It's shifted in our culture. It's shifted in, in a lot of us, right? There, there are certain things that, you know, maybe we've, we've read or, or we've, we've looked at in, in God's truth. And, I mean, they just, they don't quite fit our preferences. And so we, we just like to kind of ignore those. But the I mean, when something is an objective truth, it either is or it isn't. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter if I believe it or not. It doesn't matter if I live it out or not. Truth is just truth. But truth can, can be challenged, right? I mean, I'm sitting over here and I'm, we're singing these songs. And, and uh, you know, he'll, he's ne he'll never fail me now. No, no, he won't. No, he won't. And I'm sitting over here singing these songs and singing the lyrics. 
and I'm wrestling with them. I'm wrestling with truth. Something that, something that I, I deeply believe with all of my heart. And yet, how many of us know that sometimes we can believe something deep in our heart, but not be experiencing it in our regular everyday life? Sometimes, sometimes what we believe and even what is true doesn't match up to our current reality. And many of you, you, some of you know about the journey that we've been on for two years. Our son Carter has been very sick. And, and nobody's been able, nobody knows the truth. Nobody's been able to find, like, what is really going on? What's really the problem? And we... We have never been through a trial like this. Never. And I would not wish it on anybody. It has rocked our world. It has shaken our family. It has caused us to wrestle in our faith like never before. But I choose to believe I know enough about Jesus that he's not left us yet that he is faithful, that great is his faithfulness. And that's the truth. It, it doesn't change, you know, even though sometimes we aren't feeling it or fully experiencing it in the moment. But if it's true, it's true. And I don't, I don't know about you, but I don't know where else to go or where else to turn. Truth. And that brings us to John 18, our, our core chapter of the weekend. And, and Jesus answers, listen, Pilate, my, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. He says, if it, if it were my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders, but my kingdom is not of this world. That was the truth that Jesus was sharing right there, right then. And Pilate said, so you are a king? Which, that was the truth that Pilate was uttering, whether even though he was saying it, in a question. And Jesus responded, you say that I'm a king. Actually, I was born and I came into the world. We read this before. To testify to the truth and all who love the truth recognize that what I say is the truth. And then Pilate asks the question, those three, earth, shaping, culture, changing words, what is truth? You know, Pilate had uttered the truth before you. Uh, in, in John chapter 18, at one point, Jesus, I mean, Pilate throws his hands up and he's like, take this guy. He's not, he hasn't done anything wrong. That was the truth. <laughs> they just didn't know what to do. And Pilate caved to, to, to people and to opinion and to preference. I mean, he's giving them the choice in a man's life. Do you want Jesus or do you want Barabbas, the revolutionary? <laughs> And he caves. So what is truth and what are we to do with the truth? And it seems like Jesus doesn't really answer Pilate's question. And yet I think he does. Leon Morris in his commentary on the Gospel of John, he says, John records no answer in the words, but the whole of the following narrative of the death and resurrection of Jesus is John's answer in action. On the cross and at the empty tomb, we may learn from God what truth is. You see, Jesus made some very bold, audacious statements. 
And it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to do it, to live it, to be it. And that's what we find in the person of Jesus. And that is a truth that every single person has to wrestle with. You see, the truth is not just an idea. The truth is not just an opinion. The truth is not just a a, a statement. The truth is a person. And his name is Jesus. You know what a crescendo is? The musicians in the room? A crescendo is, is is a moment in the music where they intentionally get louder and louder and louder to make point to move us and what we see in John chapter 18 and then in the next couple chapters that we'll look at over the next couple weeks is that crescendo it's Jesus giving up his life it's Jesus going to the cross and the crescendo of all crescendos it's Jesus rising from the dead which is what he said he would do and then he actually did it. That's, that's the truth. The truth is, you guys, whether we choose to believe it or not, the truth is God deeply loves all of his creation and every person. That includes you. The truth is that God sees us, you and me, humanity, as separated from himself because of our own rebellion towards him. The truth is that God came himself in the person of Jesus to pay the price for our sin by dying and going to the cross. The truth is that witnesses testified to Jesus being risen from the dead. The truth is we cannot earn our way somehow back to God by good works, even if that's what we think or that's our preference or that's what sounds better or easier to believe. But rather, Jesus says we must confess our sins and turn to Jesus in faith to be saved. The truth is that whoever, whoever, That's you, that's me, that's whoever, regardless of what they've thought, what they believed about truth, uh, whoever puts their trust in Jesus will be set free and start a new life in Christ. And the truth is, when we sin, thank God, Jesus does not give up on us. But he's an advocate who speaks with the Father in our defense. The truth is that one day, uh, what we understand from, from the truths of scripture is that Jesus will return and he'll fully establish his kingdom here on this earth. And the truth of all truth is we need to be ready. Are you ready? What do you believe about the truth? And when I ask that, I'm not just talking about a preference of Coke or Pepsi. What do you believe about the person of Jesus, the Christ? Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you that you love us and you are will- were willing to stand for truth and speak the truth, but you did so with such magnificent grace. Grace that would lead you to lay your life down. May we hold the truth, believe the truth, but live the truth by your grace and love. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Have a great rest of your weekend. God bless you, Chapel family.